Let's turn to God's Word to Galatians in chapter 3. Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 3. And we'll begin at chapter 3 in verse 26, into chapter 4, verse 7. So the end of one chapter into the beginning of the other. Galatians chapter 3, beginning at verse 26. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the Holy State. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when you, we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons, because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So we are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Let's just pause for a moment's prayer, shall we? Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us a powerful word in the Scriptures. And we've just so blessed over all the years that we've been believers to have received that word into our hearts. And we believe, Lord, that you've got something for us today. And we pray that you would give us open hearts and minds to receive what the Spirit is laying upon us. And we pray, Lord, for the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit in all that we say. And we give you thank for the energy and the strength that you give to be able to communicate that truth. So may your word go forth in the power of the Spirit. And may no one be seen save Jesus only. We give you thanks. We give you praise. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, I'm going to ask a question that is seldom asked of us. And uh, you probably think I'm being quite cheeky. But you know me you know me well enough, don't you? And the question is simply this How's your timekeeping? How's your timekeeping when it comes to appointments with the doctor or the hospital or the dentist or even the hairdresser? How's your timekeeping? I've got a hunch that uh, you're pretty good at it. How's your timekeeping with your appointment with the King of Kings? And Lord of Lords on a Sunday. There's all sorts of things get in the way. And some legitimate things can hold us back from getting there on time. They tell me in Africa, if you set the time for a church service, expect it to start two hours later. These African mamas, they, they just don't move for anybody. 
I witnessed that myself down in London when I was there. I went to a conference. It was in a Baptist church <clears throat> and eventually got there. And there weren't many. It's a black church. I didn't realise it was going to be a black church. Lovely folks. And I got there and there weren't many folks there. <clears throat> and I thought to myself, this is a conference it's meant to be. Well, by the time the first guy had got halfway through his sermon, the place had kind of filled up. And of course it was a, a white preacher who was the first speaker and uh, he was doing pretty well. But this other lady got up. She was the final speaker. Boy, she gave it big licks. Oh, she says, the Lord is here in this place by his Holy Spirit. And when you leave this place and you go down the road and you see McDonald's, you will pass McDonald's because this word is so engaged in your heart and mind. You will pass McDonald's and you will go on. This is how it went at the end of the day. And this, uh, this pastor asked me to help. He knew who I was. I was just new to the church down there. He says, Pastor Russell, would you help us uh, to give us a sort of question answer session with different groups? Well, I'm uh, going back into this church that seats 500. They've all been split up into groups about 12 and they're all scattered and I'm saying to them would you all come together nobody moved I said well if you don't come together I'm coming to you what a job it was getting these folk together but that's how it was in that church any time will do they just sort of wandered in at any sort of time <clears throat> I remember when my maternal grandmother, my mother's mother, she was kind of losing it a wee bit in her mind. And she would get ready for church one hour before. And we would say, Granny, it's not happening yet. The guy hasn't come with a car to take you to the church yet. But she would, never wanted to be late for a church service. And that was always good for us to learn along the way. Some ministers haven't got an idea about time either, have they? <laughs> Are they any good at timekeeping? Maybe some need a calendar rather than a watch along the way. But the question is a relevant one. How is your timekeeping? Because I want to preach on a subject that I've never preached on before. Something about the character of God. His punctuality. The punctuality of God as we find it in the scriptures. Because you see, I think behind the universe, God's got his own clock that keeps perfect time. And that God is working to his agenda. Let me highlight some scripture that reveals God's punctuality. And the first one is this. Galatians 4 and verse 4. Let's repeat the words if we can see them. But when the time had fully come... God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. When the time had fully come, God sent his son. There's something about the timing of God sending his son into Bethlehem that's quite remarkable. I wonder if you've ever looked at it, ever thought about it. Because you see, it was the fullness of time, not only for the coming of Jesus, but it was the fullness of time culturally, if I can say the words. Because you remember something happened 350 years before Jesus was born. And that was a son was born to Philip II that you have heard of. And his name was Alexander the Great. And Alexander the Great conquered the then known world. 
And he brought all these Europe and Asia, all these countries together under one language, the Greek language. And the Greek language became the language of commerce. It became the second language of people. And that was why the spread of the gospel was a lot easier at that particular time when Jesus came because of that Greek language, that Greek culture that was brought there by Alexander the Greek. He actually took Jews out of Jerusalem and scattered them in a lot of Greek areas of the world. (coughs) Quite amazing. That the ground had been prepared even in culture, even in language by the time that Jesus was born there in Bethlehem. Because Jesus spoke Aramaic of course, but all over the rest of the world the second language was Greek. But it was almost the fullness of time politically as well because by the time of Jesus the Romans were in power. And one of the great things that the Romans had done was to crisscross the whole of the world, of their world anyway, to crisscross that world with paved roads. Hence the, the, the saying that we all heard of, all roads lead to Rome. Because of the Roman roads, the spread of the gospel was made easier again. And then the Romans brought in this, what they call a Pax Roma, a sort of uh, peace that they tried to bring. It won't be tied if you went against the Roman government. But there was this enforced peace called the Pax Roma that they brought in. And also God was in who was Caesar at the time of Jesus. Caesar Augustus. Little did he know that when he actually said, I want you to go to your native land, the place where you were born, for a census, little did he know that he was actually fulfilling the prophecy concerning Jesus Christ being born in Bethlehem. It was the fullness of time politically because of the Roman government, because of the relative peace, because of the paving of these roads, because of the Caesar Augustus issuing that decree for the census to go back to the place where you were born. Isn't it amazing how God works? The language had been sorted out, the culture had been sorted out, the Roman government had sorted the roads out, everything was just right. But it was the fullness of time spiritually as well. Because something else happened in 280 AD. Not only did that great culture come into the world, but 70 men got together and they translated the Old Testament into Greek. It's called the Septuagint. That's because 70 people, it's a word for 70, were used to translate the scriptures. So the scriptures were being carried on from Hebrew into Greek into another language. And so it's the fullness of time spiritually because the law had been given and all that the law could do was show us how deprived we really are. All the law could do was show us how sinful we were. In fact Paul says in Galatians that the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. So people were feeling this heavy weight of the law upon their shoulders and also the 300 extra laws that the Pharisees had placed on top of the Ten Commandments and other laws that God had given. And so we find that the people were under a tremendous burden. There was a tremendous hunger in their hearts for something else in their spiritual lives. And at the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, bang on time. Because the Greek language had spread. 
great culture was there in the commerce. The Roman roads had been paved. Caesar Augustus had issued a decree that was right in line with God's prophecy. And spiritually, the people were hungry for something else. The law just pointed a finger at their guilt, but it gave them no salvation. It was time for Jesus to come. And he came bang on time. Isn't that good? The Lord came bang on time. You know, there were two plans for heaven, you know. Plan A and Plan B. And Plan A was this, that you kept the law perfectly. That you never sinned, you never hurt anybody, you had no hatred in your heart. Everything in your life was perfect, right through your life. And that plan was messed up at the fall, in Genesis, when man sinned. And God put this other plan into, into play, that somebody should come, perfect, a perfect person should come. And that our imperfections should be laid upon him. And his perfection should be brought to us, being justified by faith. Here's the second verse that shows us God's timing was right on. <clears throat> Let's see these words together. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Not only was Bethlehem bang on time, but so was the cross. The cross of Jesus came right at the right, the right time. At the right time when you were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. And you can't read the account of Jesus' life without noticing Jesus continually seeing something in the gospel story. What was he continually saying? My time has not yet come. Remember that story of the, uh, the, the king of Galilee? And the wine ran out. And Mary, perhaps she wants to, Jesus to work out his glory and power at that particular time. And she tells Jesus that the wine, the wine has run out. And what does Jesus say to her? He says, dear woman, why do you want to involve me? My time has not yet come. And there's more than one occasion when we hear that said in the gospel story. My time has not yet come. Don't force my hand. My time has not yet come. Until you get to John's gospel chapter 17 and verse 1. Jesus looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. And with no doubt that the cross happened at the right time. The hour had actually struck. That Jesus should die upon that cross and go through all that agony and suffering and death for you and for me, for my sin and for yours. It was all according to God's plan and the hour had actually struck. In the fullness of time, you see, at just the right time, God sent forth his son to die on the cross. When we were powerless... Christ died for the uncalling. Folks, the law makes you powerless. The law can tell you, you're wrong. You've gone against the law. You're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. But we were powerless to do anything about it. But at the right time, God sent forth his wonderful son. Here's the third verse that tells us. Let's just say these words together. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. You'll remember the end of the gospel story. Jesus goes to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father on high. And Jesus tells the disciples, 
before he goes, I want you to go into Jerusalem and wait. Wait for the promise of the Father to come. Wait for that power to come from on high. And so we find 120 disciples in that upper room. That to me was the most wonderful experience of that trip to Israel. Was to go into a upper room. It may not have been the one, I don't really know. But to be in some upper room and to remind ourselves that in that upper room they were waiting for the power to come from on high. And they waited and they prayed and they were praying and they were praying. The first day had passed, nothing happened. The second day had passed, nothing happened. Third day, fourth day, fifth day. 8th day, ninth day, the 10th day something happened the sound of a mighty rushing wind tongues like fire resting on the heads of these 120 who had been praying and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance the 10th day was the same day as the Feast of Pentecost. Bang on time. There would not have been 3,000 souls converted had the Holy Spirit not empowered these disciples and Peter to go and preach the gospel. The tenth day, the very day of the Feast of Pentecost, God and his sovereign power and Jesus, they send the Holy Spirit to come upon the disciples. It was right at the right time for the Holy Spirit to come and send out these disciples. Not a day early, not a day late. And because all these people had come from all over Asia, all these Jews that Alexander had taken and their generations after them, of course, all these Jews had been scattered, all came in for the Feast of Pentecost. And they were there and Peter was preaching his heart out. Repent and believe and be baptized and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And they cried out, brethren, what shall we do? They felt conviction in their hearts. God gave the Holy Spirit on the tenth day, bang on time. It was the feast of the day of Pentecost. Is that not marvellous? I think it's marvellous. That God has his clock and everything is according to his clock. Here's number four. Let's just read it together. Therefore keep watch because you know not the hour or the day or the hour. They know that on the day of the hour should be the day of the hour and this concerns the coming again of Jesus and we all know that Jesus is coming again it's mentioned nearly 300 times in the New Testament you know that 300 times the New Testament speaks about the coming again of the Lord Jesus and Jesus tells us that we don't know the hour we don't know the day but somebody does he says the Father knows the Father knows the day of the hour. And he says, therefore, keep watch. Because you do not know the day of the hour. You don't know when it's going to be. But there's an age proclaimed. The end of the age is something that's preordained by God. God's got that time clock in his mind. The second coming is mentioned, as I say, 300 times. And we can be affirm that truth. Can you imagine this? That truth is affirmed. I don't even believe people understand it. It's affirmed every time churches recite the creed. Now we don't recite the creed very much. It's a formal statement of belief. 
And part of the creed says, He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and He will come to judge both the living and the dead. The old-fashioned version, He'll come to judge the quick and the dead. It means the living and the dead. Because Kathy's not very quick at the moment. <laughs> the living and the dead. He will come to judge the living and the dead. And these churches all over the country are saying that creed. And folks, Jesus is going to come right on time. You don't know the day. I don't know the day. You don't know the hour. We don't know the hour. But Christ is going to come. <clears throat> the coming of Jesus at Bethlehem. The coming of Jesus to the cross. The coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Bang on time. Not a day early, not a day late. It was right on time. In fact, in John's Gospel, the, the cross of Jesus sort of coincides with the Passover. The, the killing of the Lamb, the pre preparation of the Lamb for the Passover. And the coming again of the Lord will be just the same. We're right on time. <clears throat> Here's the final text I want to give you. <clears throat> it says this, let's read it. In the time of my favour, I heard you, and the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. <clears throat> and here we find something that's really important to us. The scriptures tell that there's a time when he, the Lord, wants to meet with us. He wants to make an appointment with us in a special way. And you'd be asking, when is that time? And the Bible shouts back, it's now. It's actually now. And that's backed by Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 15 that says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. So the Bible talks about there's a special appointment that God wants with your heart and with mine. And the time is not sometime in the future. It's now. It's today. If you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. When we truly meet with God, there's a wonderful realisation comes into our hearts. It wasn't a day early or a day late. It was the right time. This is how I was feeling. I was feeling lost. I was feeling that I was away from God. But when God made that appointment, when God met with me in that service, in that place, at that particular time, it was the right time for me. And many of us can testify to that. That God spoke to us, that God met with us, God dealt with us at the right time. And yet we find people saying, well, I'll make it next week. Or I'll make it at the end of my term at university or school, whatever it might be. Or I'll make it when I'm a bit older in the future. The Bible says, now is the accepted time. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. There's an appointed time for the Saviour to come to our lives. And the Bible calls it now, today. Some of you have heard of D.L. Moody. He was the Billy Graham of the 19th century. Quite a remarkable preacher. He lived in Chicago. Had the Moody Memorial Church, great big church he had there. And he preached to thousands of people in his church. And he preached on this sermon... What will you do with Jesus, who is called the Christ? 
And he preached a powerful sermon on those words of a text of scripture. What will you do with Jesus who is called the Christ? He did something that he didn't normally do. Usually at the end of his message he would offer an appeal for people to come forward and accept Christ as their saviour. But on this particular occasion he said I want you to come back next week and answer that question. Come back next week. And somebody has said that he went to his grave sad because he made that request. Because you see the day after came the great fire of Chicago. And a lot of the people who were at that service were killed in the fire. I can't remember but I think actually Moody's church was burnt down as well. I can't remember if his church was burnt down. And he, he, he regretted saying to people, next week I want you to answer that question. It's not a question we answer next week. It's a question for now. It's a question for today. What will you do with Jesus who is called Christ? Somebody has said, one preacher said, I can't promise you tomorrow, but I can promise you now, today. Another preacher from the Bible said, there's a time for everything, a season for every activity under the sun. <coughs> you know, when I think about these things, I think about the woman with the issue of blood. I think about the years that she had spent under doctors and, and got nowhere. I think of all the money that she had spent. And there she was, standing off from the crowd, and, and she was looking at Jesus, and he was being jostled by a crowd around her. And she felt in her own heart, this is my moment. This is my time. Now as you well know, if you know the scriptures well enough, that the Jews would not have allowed that woman to do what she did. Because if she went into that crowd and touched anyone, she would make these people, as the Jews believed, ceremonially unclean. But she said, this is my moment. This is my time. And she rushed forward and she bowed down at the feet of Jesus. She worshipped him and she touched the hem of his garment. And felt the healing flowing from Jesus right into her condition. And she was wonderfully healed. And there's something powerful about that for our own lives. This, this is my moment. It's today. It's now that I need to accept Christ. It's now I need to realise I've wandered far away from God and now I'm coming home. The path of sin too long I've trod. Now I'm coming home. This is my moment for my healing, for my strength, for coming back to the Lord, for knowing what it means to be a regular at the place of worship and to hear God's word, to be at prayer meetings, to know what God's saying to you through all the ways in which he speaks, through his word day by day. Are you getting into the word day by day? Are you praying day by day? Because God wants you back at that place. Not tomorrow. Not next week. But today. Now. It's so powerful. And we want to say, this is my moment. I end with the question with which I began. <coughs> How's your timekeeping? How's your timekeeping? I'm not asking you if you were late for the service today. It's good to be in time. 
I'm asking you about God's appointment with your heart. God's appointment with your life. And I'm asking you from all my heart, with all my heart, how's your timekeeping? Because God wants to meet with you today. He's got certain things he wants to lay on your heart. And for some here, perhaps it's coming to Jesus for the very first time. And getting to know him as your saviour. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. But for many of us, God wants to speak about other things. He wants to speak about getting back to that place we were at when we were in fire for Jesus. And we all need to get back to that place, I'm sure. How is your timekeeping? Because God has made an appointment with you today. Let's pray. Perhaps you've never given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ as yet. And God is here at this service and he wants to make that appointment with you that you might get to know Jesus. And you might want to just echo this prayer in your own heart this morning. Just say it into yourself. Lord Jesus, this is my moment. This is my time to get to know you for the very first time. I'm a sinner and I need a saviour. Thank you for the cross of Jesus. Thank you for the shed blood. Come into my life and be my saviour and my Lord. And for others here, you've wandered a good bit from where you were spiritually some time ago. And you want to be able to say, Lord, I've wandered far away from you. Now I'm coming home. The path of sin too long of God. Lord, I'm coming home. And perhaps for others, you're saying, Lord, this is my moment. If there's healing in the Son of Righteousness, with healing in His wings, I need that healing right now. Healing for my mind. Healing for my body. Healing for my heart. Lord, will you just cause that healing to flow even from your garment and touch me afresh in Jesus' name.